0: All right, everybody. Welcome. Happy Monday. My name is Meg. I'm here as part of the Power to Fly Chat and Learn team. I'm super excited to start chatting with you all today and really excited to get going on our first um there we go. <laughs> Sorry. Really excited to get going on this subject um, with our wonderful guests from opta So as we get started here, um I am just gonna go over real briefly a couple of quick housekeeping items. If you have joined us for a meeting previously, anytime the last couple of weeks. Um, This will all be a little bit old hat for you, so my apologies, but we'll keep it brief. The biggest thing I have to tell you is that like all of our virtual events, today is all about you. It's all about our participants, and we want to make sure that you all get just as much out of today as we put into it. So to that end, if you would like to participate, um, you are more than welcome to do so. You can do so in a couple different ways. First way is by turning on your cameras and coming off of mute to comment or ask questions. Um, You are more than welcome to do that, but if you do, the one thing you should know is that you will show up on the, if you come off mute, I'm sorry, you will show up on the um, live stream that we're streaming to our website right now and on the recording that we will be posting to our website as well as to our YouTube channel. So if for whatever reason you don't want to show up on the recording, you can still have your camera on, not a problem, but the minute you come off mute is when you will show up in the recording. Um, If you don't want to show up in the recording, you are still welcome, welcome to participate. All you have to do is um, write your questions or comments into the Zoom group chat. So um, you can all do that as much as you'd like. And if you have any, for any reason, want, to, want your question or comment to remain anonymous, then instead of sending it to everyone, you'll, you'll you know, click on that little drop-down menu in the Zoom group chat and you will send it to me instead of sending it to everyone. So send it to Meg Alexander-PoweredBlack. Um, as I sort of, you know, kind of told you before this whole session is being recorded, so whether you join us for, you know, five minutes at the start or the full 60, um, everybody that registered for today's session will be getting an email in about one to two business days with a link to the rewatch where you can, like, check out the recording of today. Um, If you want to get it sooner than that, like I said, you can check out our YouTube channel. And we greatly encourage you to keep up with us on social. We are at Power to Fly on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I'm missing one right there. Twitter. Sorry. Um, and you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. That is a really good way um, so that you can be alerted when we post a new video. Um, it'll also give you a um, like a ping if you are on if you're on YouTube when we go live with a new video. Um, so that way, if you, you know, maybe you missed something, you didn't register for something, um, that way you won't have to miss it. So please feel free to keep up with us on those various locations. And we will get started today with our, uh, with our guests. So it is my pleasure to introduce you, first of all, to Adrienne Ward. Adrienne is the Director of Presales for North America for Okta. Providing leadership and guidance to our team, customers, and partners on security solutions. This includes understanding customer issues and vision, education, presentations on solutions, value proposition, and technical effectiveness and fit. Adrienne leads the team of highly innovative and motivated individuals that are at the forefront of cybersecurity expertise that can look at business problems and translate those in technical programs that organizations can move forward on and see value in the long term. So welcome, Adrienne. Thanks, And then joining Adrienne is Kristen McGee. Kristen is a Southern Californian, helping Okta build the next generation of sales leaders in the greater Chicago area. As a BDR or business development representative manager, her role is to motivate, coach, and various innovative and salespeople. Kristen's favorite thing about this role is being able to help BDRs find what makes them uniquely talented and use that to take the next step in their careers. So thank you for joining us, Kristen. Thanks for having me. Oh, before we go on, sorry, guys, the last thing I was going to tell you is if you are going to come off mute to um, ask a question or comment, totally awesome. We very much encourage you to do so. However, if Kristen, Adrienne, or one of our other guests is speaking, please try not to interrupt them. If it's me, I get paid to fill the silence. So please feel free to you know, jump in and be like, hey, just mm-hmm, I have a question. So please feel free to do that. Um, and if I, if I mute you at any time during today's chat, please, please, please know it is not a rebuke. It is just to make sure we maintain audio clarity for everybody that's listening in on the call as well as for our recording. So if I mute you, not a problem. Just make sure you only unmute yourself to, so that like when you're actively speaking and then go right back on mute. And you can, I mean, you can see throughout the whole chat, I will be toggling that like crazy so that I don't share with the world the bulldog snores happening under my desk right now. So um, the last thing I want to call out before we move into our questions for today is that Okta is hiring. So I would greatly encourage you, I'm gonna put a, a link in the, um, in the Zoom chat in just a couple minutes here. Um, I greatly encourage you to follow Okta on Power to Fly. So the link I'm gonna give you is gonna take you to Okta's um uh, I'm trying to go, it's gonna take you to Okta's company page on Power to Fly. So if you go there, there's gonna be a pink follow button in the upper right hand corner. Um, I greatly encourage you to check out their open roles. You can also get a lot more info on Okta as a company there. But if you click that follow button, it's gonna put you on Okta's follow network. And what that does is it tells Okta and the Okta hiring team that you are very interested in working with them. It also tells anybody at Power to Fly that you are interested in working with Okta. So in case they have us you know, source for an upcoming role, that is the first place that talent advocates, like what I used to do, Um, That is the first place that talent advocates go to look for people that might be suitable for that role um, that's about to open. The other thing it can do is it kind of functions as like your friend that works at Okta um, because it'll give you an alert when they post new roles or if they're going to participate in events like today, our virtual career fair, or um, our mini summits that happen periodically throughout the year. So, um, like I said, feel free to check that link out and you can follow as many or few companies as you want. You can follow and unfollow at will but I greatly encourage you to check out Okta's um, open roles as well as learn more about their wonderful company. So before we get started here, um, I'm gonna give you guys a chance to check out the questions that are gonna be asked. Um, I'll stay on this slide for a couple seconds and I'll flip to the next one and you guys can take screenshots if you'd like. You don't have to, because it is being recorded. So don't feel like you have to take notes or anything, Um, but this will give you a rough idea. I'm gonna go to our next slide here. So give you a rough idea of the questions that are going to be asked and roughly the the order they're going, going that we're going to ask them. Um, they're all compiled based on the questions that you guys all submitted prior to today's chat. We took out the redundant ones um, and reorganized them to make it kind of more of a conversation uh, between you all and Okta. So if your question comes up, please feel free to add context or details if you'd like. You're more than welcome to come off mute. Um, if you have a question and you want to make sure that it gets asked, Priority is always going to be given to people that are on today's chat. So if you have a question, even if it's already on this list, if you want to make sure that it gets asked and answered, the best way to do that is to come off mute or put your question into the Zoom chat, and I will address them as they come in. So um, let's get started here with our first question. This person had written in asking, what's the best way to build relationships with my all-male sales team?
1: Wow. Wow it's a big one, right? That's a big one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those ones where how do you build relationships with almost anybody, right? You start talking to them, learn about, learn about them, right? Learn about their relationships or family or anything like that. Like, like that helps build that conversation rapport. I mean, you don't have to go and start talking about things that you don't know about or all of a sudden get interested in, you know, fantasy football to join in the conversation, right? Um, I think the biggest thing is, is be yourself, have those conversations, and don't be afraid to you know, get to know them. I think that's the biggest thing for me.
2: I would definitely second that. And, you know, I, I wrote out some answers to these questions, and that was the first sentence I had. Just like any team, it's important that you invest in people's interests, ask them about their lives. I also think, just just in any organization ask people about their lives outside of work i mean almost all of us are spending time not in the office and so what are we doing with the time that we can spend outside? What are we doing with the time that we can spend safely with our friends and family? What are the ways that we're connecting with other people virtually outside of work? So to Adrian's point, it's definitely, you want to approach it like any team. I don't think that you have to come with like what happened on this weekend's like football highlights right. or what's going on in like the, the fantasy drafts. Right. But take an interest. I also think when those conversations are happening, don't just sit there silent. If they're talking about like a really cool play, I would hop in there and say, is that like a really famous football player or are they new to the team or like what's the trend that's happening with that team? I, I would encourage you and challenge you guys to not just sit when there's conversations happening that you can't join, jump into them.
1: Yeah. No, that's a great point. I mean. A lot, of our male, a lot of the male counterparts have families, have kids and all that. I mean, a lot of my conversations are about kids and COVID and where are we going right now and how are, how's homeschooling, you know, all those different things yeah. right now. And having those conversations, I found sometimes people want to have that conversation. They don't want to just not have that personal, they just don't want to talk business all the time because we're doing business, it seems like, more and more and everybody's on Zoom Eight to 10 hours a day, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having a little bit of a personal conversation, some people, it eases the tension and gets people talking.
2: Absolutely.
0: And I think that's a really good thing to flag, you know, is that you can ask people about, you know, like, especially if you're worried about relating to maybe your male coworkers. Yeah, you could start off with something like sports or something, but that's not a one-size-fits-all. And just like you don't want to be asked only about like, well, what happened on, you know, Real Housewives last night? Or what, you know, (laughs) what recipes are you making? Blah, blah, blah. Like, people are not one-dimensional. And so if you treat other people like they're allowed to have opinions and interests way outside of what maybe the gender stereotype boxes are it very much opens up the floor for everybody else to feel like, oh yeah, well, you know, this girl loves football and this dude loves needle, you know, needleworking or knitting or whatever. Like, it's quite all right to like things just because you like them. So, yeah. yeah. You,
1: you, you won't believe how many oh male people like cooking. I can say.
0: Bad. Oh my God.
1: I, I, we, we've actually started to do, um, most of my team is, is male, and we actually wanted to do a virtual cooking class. You know, things of that nature during COVID, and most of them are way more into it than I am because I'm not really a great cook.
0: Uh, I don't know if anybody saw but like Great British Bake has a new season that's on Netflix like,
2: over the weekend, so that'll oh, be on my list for next nice I know that I had that on all yesterday. <laughs> uh, I don't wanna talk about how many episodes I got through. But hey, I mean, we're not shaming, we're not binge shaming anyone here. Quarantine nothing. bread baking. Everybody of all shapes and sizes is making bread right now. So that's a great topic to talk about.
1: It is. Absolutely.
0: And actually, so Monique is um, talking in the chat over here. She's saying, I haven't had a hard time talking to men at work. They are often more comfortable talking to women about their issues. Men have high suicide rates, trouble in family. After a while, many of the men would rather talk to me about their personal lives than talk to the other men. Um, (laughs) And Monique, that is actually a really good point. And then I think it's also important to clarify that, like, don't talk about that kind of stuff if you don't want to. Like, you're not under any obligation to be like the office mom or the office sister. You know, it's one of those things that, like, women are usually the ones asked to, like, plan the parties and that kinds of stuff when it comes to work. So don't take on that extra work unless it's something that you want to do, you enjoy doing. Um, Because it's just not, you know, it it shouldn't be. incredibly, um, assumed that you'll be willing to talk about that kind of stuff. So, oh, she yeah. says exactly. she volunteers at a men's charity. So that, that is really great. Monique, I'm really glad that your, your male coworkers have
2: that resource from you.
1: You can't be all the therapist for all the men in the office. It doesn't work.
2: Nope. 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 Yep. All right. So
0: moving on to our next question, this person asked, how do you balance standing up for yourself without coming off in a negative way to your male peers? And I feel like this question might have different answers from Adrienne, who's further along in her career, versus Kristen, who is like, you know, maybe not as se- as a senior.
1: So for me, I know for for me in in doing this, a lot of the time I have to plan my conversation. I could come across a little strong and blunt, right? Which sometimes there's a difference between assertive, blunt, and aggressive, and I think that's the big thing that you have to balance as a woman, especially as you progress in your career. But I actually, when I'm heading, when I know it's going to be one of those conversations that can be taken a certain way, I have to plan my conversation. I typically start writing it out. I'll run it by, you know, a coworker, a peer, someone else who I, who's a trusted person. Um, That way, when I go into that conversation, I, I kind of know which parts are going to be the most difficult parts to navigate. Um, but if you're in a conference room and everybody's jumping in or even on Zoom now, uh, that's our virtual conference room. um, I think the biggest way is to make sure when you're making a point, you're not talking over people, that you're relaxed in your conversation. And when you get your point across, even though you might be in opposition to their view, appreciate that they have a view. Hey, you know what? That's a good point of view, but what about from this angle? and try to look at some different ways that you can actually take it and look at two different perspectives. And I think that usually comes across really well.
2: Uh, uh, Flawlessly said, Adrienne. I think there is not enough time to role play those conversations. I think the more practice you can get in, the better. I also think that a lot of it has to do with the tone and the language and the volume that you're using. Uh, I had a really great uh, presenter in my previous role come in and talk about feedback and in situations like this, oftentimes you're giving somebody feedback about something that they have said or something that they have done and you really want to start with assuming positive intent. Hey, I know that you may not have meant to come off um, in an offensive way, but what you just said offended me and here's why. And then that way it's not that was offensive. It's hey, what you just said was offensive to me and I'd like to discuss a little bit more on why. And again, to your point, you wanna make sure that you're respecting their point of view, but it's a lot about how you feel. And you know, we may not always be standing up for ourselves in offensive situations, but I have found that that is most of the time kind of when I'm gonna have to like strap on my boots and say, all right, we're gonna need to pause and talk about this real quick.
1: Yeah, and I think it worked not even with male coworkers, I find it too with female coworkers too. You want to respect everybody's point of view. And I think no matter what conversation you're in, if you're seen in that light that you are very open to looking at all the different perspectives, then the way that you're perceived is you're not perceived in a negative way overall. And that Mm -hmm. impacts that conversation, right? And it impacts every conversation that you have is that, Oh no, she, she respects your point of view. Don't, you know, she's listening to you. Be a listener. As well as being somebody who can show their opinion.
2: Agreed. And and the last thing I'll say on this too is it, you know, we are genuinely pretty in tune with the way that we're coming off. I find that, you know, not everybody, but most people are pretty self-aware. And so if you think that you're coming off in a negative way, it is totally okay to say, you know what? Let me take a step back. I just want to make sure that I'm getting the point across in a way that I feel is positive and productive and isn't necessarily coming off as negative, especially right now when we can't be in conference rooms with people, people don't necessarily see all of our body language. Maybe your audio's not great. And so it's important to say things out loud versus just assume that everybody is on the same page.
1: I couldn't agree more when we live in a world of Slack chat and text message, mm-hmm. you know, in Zoom, you can't read that body language. You can't hear how people are articulating things all the time, whether email or whatever. You need that. Sometimes put down the, the text and the everything. Get on Zoom or meet someone face-to-face to have that conversation because usually what you perceive as a negative isn't a negative.
2: Mm-hmm. Even,
1: if, even if you think a peer is being negative towards you and you not coming off negative, having that conversation via Zoom or over the phone actually takes that energy down and it becomes a much more positive conversation
2: 100
0: very true um so i actually have a, an extension on this question sarah had raised in the chat um she wants to know if your answer changes or shifts at all when that uh male is a superior like somebody's manager that added power power dynamic can make these conversations even more difficult to navigate sometimes
1: it does i mean and that's where i i tend when i'm how do you put it? When I'm speaking up and level, I mm-hmm. tend to plan my conversation and craft my conversations a little bit differently than when I'm casually talking to a peer going head to head with peer. Cause I feel like one of the big things that I know that we leverage within Okta, we actually do a thing where we actually, it's called facet five and it actually, it's like the disc or some of the other methodologies where you can actually look at how people communicate And what it does is it really makes you understand that everybody has a different communication style and it makes you more aware of that communication style. So when I'm talking to a lot of my peers, we've done that and we've shared our communication styles. So I know that there are people that I can banter with and we can debate actively and it's not seen negatively, but I also know that there's other people who you can't do that with. You need to be a little bit calmer, more listening, more receptive. When we did that, we also did that up So you know how to communicate with your managers and things a little bit better. I don't think it's a bad thing to actually do that within a team of people. So you know how to communicate the best way. So you're not seen negative, but also you don't receive things negatively from somebody else who communicates differently than you do. But I do plan my conversations talking up probably more than with my peers or when I'm communicating to someone in my drip line of command.
2: I'd agree with that. And another other phrases I like to use are, hey, if one of my team members, if I had said something and one of my team members was feeling a certain way, I would hope that they would come to me and feel that we could have an open and honest conversation. And so I hope that you can appreciate that that's why I'm having it with you because I would want one of my team members to have that conversation with me. I think that that really levels the playing field as well.
0: I love that. Um, I think you're right. It's very helpful to to put it in that context of you know if the shoe were on the other foot here's i'm trying to handle this how i would how i would hope that it would be handled with me um one of my favorites is to just start especially if you're not really sure how to word something is to start off with like hey i really don't want to come across as negative or as questioning but i'm not really sure how i'll say this Blah blah blah, blah, blah. because mm-hmm. it at least gives the person that that foundation of realizing like i didn't want to spend a ton of time trying to figure out a better way to say this so can we like start off on this basis of I have good intentions, I'm not trying to question or be a jerk, here is my, my query, can we move forward from there? Mm-hmm. Um, at least for me, granted, it depends on the person, some people take it a lot better than others, but if you, if you're starting off with, I'm not trying to sound like a jerk, and you're then not, like, following it up with, like, but you just need to get out and follow blah. <laughs> as long as your tone matches what you're, tr- what you're saying, that you're trying to avoid being, you know, whatever, being perceived as whatever behavior, um, then it's usually not taken as, kind of, you know, passive aggressive or, you know, sarcastic or anything like that.
1: But well, that's For a sure. good point. I mean, telling, telling somebody you don't know how to say something, it's like, man, I don't know how to explain this. I don't know how to say this. I'm just going to put it out there so we can have a discussion about it is actually a really great starting point because then it just lays the thought on the table and then you can start that dynamic conversation around it.
0: Agreed. Yep. All right, so let's move on to our next question. Um, This person had asked at my company there are very few women in the sales organization. What are some tactics and strategies we can use to lift each other up and help highlight our accomplishments?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I can can go ahead and start on this one. Uh, We have an incredible learning and development team here and they gave a course on feedback. So obviously opted in on that one. And one thing that they suggested doing is creating a pattern of highlights and accomplishments so that when you do it, it feels normal. And so it's not necessarily like you are highlighting an accomplishment, like at the end of the quarter, once a quarter or once a year, and it has to be this huge, big thing, but it's something as simple as, and I actually started implementing this was at the end of every week, take some time to say, I'm going to highlight my team. And specifically for this, you know, I'm, I'm going to highlight some of the female coworkers on my team and I'm going to do so in really small ways, but often. And that was one way that I found you know, that, that just means that we're, we're getting talked about more. We're getting a little bit more exposure.
1: So many of the organizations I've been a part of, I know what we've done, pre-sales has very few women, just letting everybody. I mean, if you've ever known a pre-sales organization, there's very few women. What we typically do, though, is we've had a lot of lunches or, or things together to actually help each other and lift each other up mm-hmm. because we are very isolated in the roles that we typically have. I know within my group itself, I think I only have five, six women overall out of 50, you know, which is a pretty low percent. So for us, it's really good to actually have that one-on-one interaction with other women, reach out to other women, lift each other up individually. But at Okta, we actually have a woman's Slack channel, uh, the woman groups. I think that's really important because then we can highlight stuff to each other, which I think is very positive. Um, When I was with Dell, we actually had a women in technology group as well. So I think many organizations technology-wise are starting to form these uh, little women groups within each other to help lift each other up, bring in speakers, bring in other things to help highlight the accomplishments of women overall. But then within those groups, you can start highlighting the accomplishments within the organization. If your organization doesn't have that, start it. Yep. I mean, be the one to go out there and start that group. Because if you start that group, you will find so many other women who are very appreciative of having that, whether it's a monthly lunch, whether it's just a monthly call just to have other women to talk to. It is so relieving to find other women that are in a similar situation with you, maybe at work or same strategies or other things. Because within a sales organization, men sell differently than women sell. Women are, you know, you know, Im- we build such tight relationships. I see with a lot of our customers where men are more, more tactical. I feel like, you know, that's my own opinion, but we sell it in different ways. so we can leverage each other for different strategies and different things to help us that maybe not have tools that men would use. So those are some of the things that I see.
2: I definitely echo that. And, and I think to your point of, like being that pioneer woman that gets out there and starts it at, at her own company or workplace. A lot of organizations have women who have done that and they're very open about talking about it. And so I think what what we can do from a tactical standpoint is, you know, research organizations talk to other women who have started it. Don't feel like you have to come to the table and and like recreate the wheel. A lot of other women at a lot of other organizations have been that person and so talk to them get their backing hear some statistics hear some program ideas that way it doesn't feel like such a huge mountain to climb and it's a little bit more of like some steps
1: yeah and if you seriously reach out to your hr department when i when when i worked at dell my division didn't have the women's group i reached out to the hr and i said hey i want to do this for my division and we started the women's group and they gave us budget which was crazy i didn't think we could get budget but They were like oh yeah we'd love to have that because we want to increase women in sales we want to increase women in pre-sales so they actually gave us it wasn't a lot of budget but we had a little bit of budget to have an end of year party to we actually went to a columbus clippers baseball game Um, and we got to have like some speakers come in and talk about their avenues and their successes and things like that and we bought lunch, we didn't pay the speakers, but speakers all volunteered their time, but it was huge. Go to HR and ask them if you could do something like that because it's a huge benefit to the overall morale within the organization. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so we did have a question that came up in the chat while, while we were talking, um, and I do wanna throw this out there. Um, Raji had asked, Opta is more solution selling, like ServiceNow, CrowdStrike, CyberArk shouldn't women strong in architect level be considered for pre-sales and sales roles? And actually, Adrienne, if you wanted to go into a little bit about pre-sales, because I personally, I don't understand what it is, but I learn a lot while I'm on these chats. So um, just in case there's anybody that maybe isn't familiar with the term.
1: Yeah, I know. It's great. So pre-sales is the best job nobody's ever heard of. Just letting you guys know. Um, As a computer science person uh, and developer background person, it's really that job that merges the technical capabilities that you have with a sales type role. So you get that um, dynamic personal interaction that you would have for more of an extroverted person, but you get to use it in a technical fashion. So we have sellers in the field who actually do the, the calling, the generation of leads, lead gen, that type of thing. And when it moves down pipeline to where it's actually doing demonstration of product, proof of concept of product, things of that nature, that's where pre-sale steps in. Pre-sales actually makes the product work and we handle usually those middle stages of that sales cycle. Um, And then you partner really hand in hand with the salesperson and you tackle those customers together. And then toward the end that the salesperson really takes over and helps close that deal and do the contracts and things. So we really handle that middle ground. So for us, yes, Okta is solution selling, but it depends at what level because the different levels of the organization, we do find that, there are, there are customers who want different pieces of Okta, which would be more tactical. And then as we grow up in larger organizations, it is a larger solution cell, like bringing together different pieces of what Okta has to provide. And there's my son yelling, if you can hear him in the background. Um, and He's probably talked to the dog. Anyway, so you can actually bring all the pieces together and it does become a big solution cell because we are going in and we're taking old technology and potentially replacing it, or we are coming up in with something completely new to enhance their cybersecurity um, roles and what they're doing within their organization as a whole. So for for the main question, with the solution selling and strong architect be considered for pre-sales and sales roles, yes. We actually take a lot of architects because we actually have an architect role in pre-sales what that does is you actually get on a whiteboard and you're designing things really early stage to help the customer see their vision come to fruition. If you think about it as an architect building the house, that architect has to come in and actually show what that house or design is going to look like. Cause I might want to add a bedroom to my house, but how am I really going to do that? What's the size of that bedroom? I need somebody to come in and actually draw that up. Okay.
0: Thank you. Thank you for going into the detail on that. Um, all right. So I'm going to, pop us to our next question, but we did have one more question that was submitted in the chat. Um, this person, Heather, had asked, what is the percentage of salespeople at Okta who make or beat their quota?
1: Oh,
2: I think it a... depends on the segment.
1: <laughs> yeah, it depends. Uh... On the segment. So there's different segments within Okta, and we can't, we, I don't think we can actually talk about different numbers mm-hmm. or anything like that. We are a publicly traded company, mm-hmm. but I would say right now, most it depends on the segment, it depends on the sales team, it depends on, there's a lot of dependencies within that. Um, but a lot of the salespeople that I know that make the effort and really get to know the technology do really well at Okta.
0: I'd echo that. Awesome. Thank you for sharing what you can with us. I know that sometimes um, off the cuff questions can be difficult to answer or maybe like tricky. Um, so very much respect that. Um, but thank you for, for trying to answer as much as you could. Um, So this person had written in asking, how do you know if you are getting paid what you deserve, especially in comparison to the men on your team?
1: Do you want to take the sales part of that? I think sales has fixed pay scale.
2: Yes, um, I can. I can try. So, One thing I didn't want to mention throughout this is that we're really big on transparency at Okta, and so if I don't know the answer to a question, I'll be transparent that I don't. Um, And so I'll try to answer this to the best of my ability. So I think a big portion of the how do you know, it depends a lot on the research that you've done based on uh, your pay band, your role, what city you're living in, and then you know a pay is sort of something that you should be not asking a ton of people about, but I do think it's it's a good idea to have a conversation with your manager about it. Um, that's as much advice as I can give on that one. And I do apologize that I don't have more, but I think a lot of it has to do with the research that you do uh, surrounding your industry role and your and your paid band.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd echo that. I mean, depending on what you're coming in doing, your level of background and skill, there is a paid band that everybody is paid within, depending on the level. So for us, it is... It is something where you can, you can actually, I think you can figure out what that band is for your level, but it depends on your role too. I can't compare one of my individuals to one of Meg's individuals because we're in completely different roles and Mm -hmm. we're actually paid a little bit differently because you guys have commission and we don't, well, Mm -hmm. we do. We have a smaller percentage.
2: And some good areas to do that are uh, salary.com super helpful. Same with Glassdoor. Glassdoor's got some pretty transparent um, numbers on there as well.
1: Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And it is important to note that, um,
0: you know, things like salary are completely legal to discuss. It's just you, you should probably tread carefully mostly because especially in America, I don't know about some of our more international people, but at least in America, salary and money talk in general is so fraught and so loaded and people get very upset very easily. Mm -hmm. And so it's really a, at least in my opinion, again, like total opinion here, it's best to tread carefully, be uh, incredibly respectful of the other person. I never had a problem telling other people what I made, because the number of what I make each year does not define who I am. It doesn't define my worth as a person. It's just not, you know, I don't see it that way. There are a lot of other people that disagree with that. Um, So don't feel feel like you can't discuss these kinds of things, because it is like part of your rights as a citizen of America. Um, But definitely know that you know, you, might, you might want to proceed carefully, especially with people that maybe you're not as friendly with, you don't know, uh, you know, aren't as close to within the office, um, just because that can get it to be a very touchy-top subject for some people.
1: <laughs> uh, Meg uh, made a really good point too, is different cities have different pay. We, mm-hmm. And there's tier one cities, tier two cities. So location makes a big part of that. Like San Francisco is a really high pay area. Compared to where I live in Ohio, mm-hmm. so if you ask another employee or someone about pay, there's a lot of things that go into calculating pay for where you live. So you have to be very, very careful about those conversations because there could be a lot of other factors that are compared that are into that conversation.
0: Agreed. Monique and uh, Serena are on the chat, um, bringing up some very really awesome points. Um, that women tend to take more time off than men, have more work-life balance, and so that can be, you know, kind of change the conversation a lot. Um, There's also um, the fact that, like Serena's saying, salary conversations are so loaded and we have an opportunity as a culture to normalize these conversations so that we can help try and solve that pay gap, especially between genders. Um, But I think the more, you know, the, the more we try and change these things, the more you have to kind of realize that what you're pushing against is not that other person. It's not, you know, just because somebody else is paid more than you, it's not, that, that should, you shouldn't be mad at that person. The idea is, you know, to look at that and say, okay, well, what do I need, to, how do I need to negotiate differently, or what if this information is useful to me so that I can better evaluate whether I need to be paid more or whether I'm at a decent rate based on my experience, my location, all, that, all the kinds of considerations.
1: You know, as a leader in the organization, I don't ever take vacation into consideration when I'm hiring women to men, just letting people know, um, because I actually think having a child and things like that, men should be able to get time off for that, not just women. So I'm a little bit, maybe I'm a little bit different on that aspect. And as a woman and leader within the organization, I don't really look at women taking more time off as part of it either. And right now during COVID, I know that the majority of women are the ones having to homeschool kids because we saw that in the spring. Um, We saw a lot of other things when it comes to the kids at home and things like that. But I think too, that's where organizations need to also be a little bit more understanding of the stressors that are there. And you need to be very aware of some of the other um, resources that are available to help deal with those stressors
0: yes absolutely um okay so moving on to our next question um this person had asked what is your strategy to keep your current clients and attract new clients during these difficult times additionally how is octo pivoting into the remote or virtual climate
2: adrian do you want to start you want me to go, go ahead
1: No, I, I can start if you want so i know a lot of the things that we're doing to, to attract and keep keep clients Um, we're doing a lot of roadmap sessions. We're doing a lot of other sessions rather than just pure tactical selling, right? We're trying to be a little bit more strategic with the clients that we currently have and let them understand where we're coming from, from a product standpoint and just maintaining that communication. We've also, I know certain reps have sent like care packages to certain clients who are long-term clients and customers. Um, I, we work with different partners that have actually done the same thing. That way it shows that we are here. We are listening We want to help not just in business, but we actually wanna help you as an individual. Pivoting to the remote part, uh, it's been interesting. Okta to me has been one of the most supportive companies actually becoming a remote workforce. We actually offered a lot of support to individuals with um, remote work from home budgets where we can buy standing desks and chairs and equipment to make people have that office at home if they didn't have that already. And I think Okta has been so supportive in that regard that it's really helped support my overall team and make my over my overall team a little bit more successful.
2: Definitely and I'll add on here um, as, as a BDR manager helping to support my BDRs is we are dealing with uh, prospects who are coming in inbound they have raised their hand and said I'm interested but that didn't mean that we were having easy conversations and so something that I love that we did is we were fortunate enough as an organization that we do have a technology that is helping people in this really challenging time. But the thing that I want to hone in on is that, that our founders did not say we are benefiting from this pandemic. That is, I mean, farthest from the truth. We just wanted to say, Hey, we've got something that we think could help you. And if now's not the right time to talk, no worries. Let's reconnect when it is. And so we really looked at this from an empathetic standpoint of really, how can we help these it leaders and these security leaders and not necessarily come at it from a, Oh man, everybody's working from home. Like this is our chance to get ahead in the market. That is not how we approach it at all. Speaking to pivoting into the remote and virtual climate spot on Adrian, I mean, I love that so many of our meetings started with how is everybody doing? Does everybody have everything that they need in the long term to be you know as productive as they can be during this time? Like don't so much worry about the cost just worry about getting what you need to be as efficient and as productive as you can be. But also we had a lot of conversations about mental health and that was so powerful to me. I had not been in a lot of other organizations and had not heard of a lot of other women and men in sales having conversations about mental health. And so I was really, really grateful and thankful that we started a lot of our meetings with, does everybody have what they need? If not, get it, no questions asked. And how is everybody doing from a mental standpoint?
1: Yeah, I know for my own team, I had a lot of just meetings every week with people just saying, are you okay? How are you doing? And I think that was a big thing because people who were used to going into an office all the time, this was a huge change. And some of them were stuck in their homes for a while and shifting to this remote work. You know, I've been working from home. Gosh, I don't want to date myself, but probably 20 years now. Um, And it's coming up with that routine and helping people learn how to work from home effectively too, which also was a big conversation for me back in, you know, that April, May, June time frame is how do you, how are you effective at work? It's like, you got to come up with a schedule. You have to get a routine. Make sure you take a shower every day. Make sure you're getting out of your pajamas every day. You know, it's doing those things to actually make people be effective at work. And I think that was a big change, but I think everybody's really starting to pick up from that now.
0: This is one of the big things for me too, because when I first started with Power to Fly, it was a little a little less than two years ago and that was the big thing for me because I'd never worked remotely before and so I read a lot of articles and granted it was outside of a pandemic and it was at a job that was always designed to be remote so those are two huge kind of like paradigm shifts that a lot of people that are you know that are working remotely due to COVID had to make on the fly as opposed to what I did which was like more of a preparation thing but absolutely, I mean, like I have a faux commute every day. I walk the dog during the time that I would have been driving to the office. Like, I have a faux commute home every day, and I go for a walk around the neighborhood or a walk in the in the park um, to kind of like fax, you know, like a sort of synthesize or make a you know facsimile of what my my evening commute was. Because that gives me that like downtime to really like distance myself from work. Because otherwise, I'm just at the house all day, and you never really feel off, right? So granted, I mean, I have like my work leisure wear and then my pajamas. So they are separate, you know, granted the really only the thing that differentiates them is the amount of dog hair and whether it's like a new sweatshirt or an old sweatshirt. But still, you know, I have like my work wear and I have my, my non-work wear. It's just one of those things that I didn't really think a lot of because I developed in the moment, but then like seeing my husband come home and try to work from home when he's not not used to it, not well-suited to it was, you know, it was a shift. It was, it was a very much an up-close look at what a lot of people are going through right now.
1: So it, it is, I, 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 that. You, you made a really good point though. I mean, the, you, you've got to get ready, you got to get prepared and all this kind of stuff, but you have to have that downtime. What I found, and that's what I had to really get my team to know, especially the ones who were used to going in offices, stop working. <laughs> stop working. you got to, you got to turn it off at some point because we're going to burn out and take the weekend off, take an extra day off. It's okay. I was pushing people to take time off because you could see that they were just churning and churning and churning and it, it's just not good for everybody.
2: Absolutely. And and we were fortunate enough to, again, have our learning and development team come and give a session on burnout and they walked us through the cycle of we want to be functioning between renewing and making sure that we're being productive. We don't want to get into surviving and and getting into that burnout period. I I also think this question is really interesting too, because it asks, how are we pivoting? I know that we've been here for a while, but I will be super honest. I feel like I just got my working from home routine down, like honestly, (laughs) two weeks ago. And And that's just because I love being around people and I love being in an office. And it was such a hard and fast turn that we were all of a sudden at home. And so if you're somebody who is still working on setting up a desk and getting a chair and getting your monitor and making sure you're having lunch and logging off, I am right there with you.
1: I gotta figure out the lunch thing.
2: You you have to put it on your calendar. You have to. Set an alert, I'm telling you it's the only way.
0: And I'm never hungry, but like I make myself take 30 minutes away from the keyboard, like I make myself do it. Do
2: not schedule lunch.
0: <laughs> All right, so moving on to our next question. This person wanted to know what are the most rewarding and most challenging parts of your job? What do you find to be the most effective tools to work through your challenges?
2: I Love this question. I think for myself uh, transitioning from an SDR to a team lead, to a manager, and now managing, I think the most rewarding part of my job is helping one of my team members have something click. And then a little bit further down the line, I love watching them just absolutely crush their interviews. I walk away, not a proud mom, I'm not their mom, but as a really, really proud, a manager and just watching them again, like implement everything that they've learned and then get into an interview and then get a role that they're also going to succeed at. It's incredibly rewarding. I walk away just thinking like, Oh, what a great day. I think the most challenging part is you are not fully in control in any sales area. There's a lot going on on the prospect side and you can do absolutely everything in your power. And that opportunity that meeting that deal it might fall through but to the point here as long as you did everything in your power you prepped hard enough you studied hard enough you pitched hard enough I think that's really what what gets me through those those days
1: yeah I mean the most challenging part of my job so I actually manage a global team the most challenging part is time zone um to be fair, I mean, managing people that are in Asia Pacific, managing people in EMEA, and looking at a global business is definitely the most challenging thing because it extends my workday. And I have to really, like I said, I need to schedule lunch, right? I need to schedule my workday a little bit more effectively. Um, the effective tools that I have I mean, the most effective tools I probably have are the other leaders on my team and the other people on the team have stepped up to be in leadership roles are actually probably the most effective tools because I can't do everything myself. I have to be able to delegate correctly. And the feedback that they give me, like, Hey, you didn't give me enough detail. I need more detail on this or that actually helps me a lot. And having that commu- those communication skills to be able to delegate correctly so that er- the work can get done really helps me the most. Um, I could say email, Slack, you know, the different things, but I think people are the, the most effective tool that I have.
2: I'll agree and I'll tack on to that. It's been really challenging to onboard people remotely. We have a saying with the other BDR managers here, it's not impossible, but it is challenging. And leaning to other people who have found success in the role um, from onboarding virtually and, and now shifting to virtual, that is such a huge weight off of my shoulders and I'm so appreciative to them. So I definitely think um, spot on Adrian thinking about how can we leverage um, other folks on our team and how can we delegate and help each other? Okay, so a question
0: that just got submitted in the chat, um, Monique had asked, what can I do to connect with women at work? It may seem like a strange question, but I spent a lot of time isolated and bullied by females as a child. If women need the connection, I would like to start a women's support program. I've connected to men at work by being the office mom and being interested in men's issues. And that really stopped the isolation for me, but that doesn't solve the problem of not having other women to talk to at work.
1: Yeah. Um, it's by the way, I, I totally get where you're coming from. So the thing for me is you have to see that women typically in the, in a technology role are very independent. They don't have a lot of other women to look at right now. So it is making that connection. Reach out. That's the, the first step, is to actually have that first conversation. Once you have that first conversation, uh, it becomes much easier to talk to a lot of the women that you work with, and you have to make that first step. And if you have different women that you work with, maybe you have a lunch or a virtual lunch, You know, where everybody can just come and talk about what's going on in the day and what's going on. Um, but really, it's being open and having that first conversation is the bit, the best way to go. That's really it. And it's mainly, it's just saying, hi, how are you? You know, how are you getting through this pandemic? You know, any easy question that might not be work-related.
2: I, I definitely agree with that. I think if you want to get something like that done, you have to be a little bit vulnerable. And so, I mean, if I was in that position, I would say, hey, you know, I want to reach out. I want to start a women's group. The reason I haven't yet is, and again, this is sensitive information. So if it's something you're not comfortable sharing, that is a-okay. But I would say, you know, the reason that I've been hesitant is because I've just actually had some poor experiences in the past. And so I might be approaching this in an awkward way, but I just want to let you know, I'm super interested in this and I am being vulnerable right now and asking you to participate in it with me.
1: Right. I mean, being honest is really the best, the best way.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yes, very true.
0: Okay, last one that we'll take from the chat for now. Sorry, guys. Um, Kate has asked, what does the onboarding process look like while you guys are remote?
1: Mm, Kristen, your onboarding process is probably a little bit different than mine. Yes. Uh, The pre-sales onboarding process, it's very technical. Um, But everybody at Okta kind of starts the same way. You receive your laptop day one. Uh, then you go through a it's actually I did remote, so it was actually kind of cool Chris I don't know if you did remote. We all got on a web webinar for about two hours, but we all got to really meet each other virtually. Then we actually, for sales, you go to a sales boot camp for a week. and that was really nice because I got to meet sellers from all over the world. There were about fifty people, I think, in my sales boot camp, and you got to meet all the people that were started about the same time as you. And even when we went to SKO and stuff, it was like, all of a sudden you have 50 fast friends at Okta, which was great. Um, But then depending on your role, they actually have a checklist for you. And we have a 90 day onboarding for pre-sales and you work with your manager through onboarding and doing a lot of the technical things that you need to do to learn the technology. But I'll tell you at Okta, it was one of the best onboarding experiences I've ever ever, ever had. Everybody was so... um, just so happy to see us. So uh, happy that you were here, and welcoming, and ready to help. I didn't fi- feel anything that other than that that people weren't really willing to help me along the way.
2: I definitely echo that, and relatively similar. Everybody gets everybody gets a laptop, and. What I, I love is everybody goes to boot camp. It doesn't matter if you're in sales. There are specific days for sellers, but everybody goes through octo boot camp, and that is really a special time. I did end up doing it virtually because uh, I think I was in the April class. So wow. you know we, we were remote, but doesn't mean I don't still see some people from from my octa boot camp class. And as BDRs and SDRs, we do also have a 90 day ramping period. and again, And I I experienced this when I joined uh, in late February. You're never bothering anybody. There is always time that people are happy to spend helping you figure out IT onboarding, or how do you have the right email signature, or how do you pitch Okta? And so you're never bothering anybody. Everybody wants to help.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, Okay, so this person had asked, what advice do you have for someone who has worked in a post sales role and is considering a pre sales position for advancing her career.
1: We have a lot of post sales people that come into pre sales. Um, I think the biggest thing is, is go after it, It, you know, put your name in the hat, make sure you make those pre sales leaders aware that you want that role build that relationship. I have some post-sales people who've reached out to me directly, put 30 minutes on my calendar and have kind of told me, hey, I'd really be interested in going to pre-sales. So then we start talking a little bit about what they need to do to make that change and what that change would look like because there is a little bit of a difference um, internally from pre-sales to post-sales and how that works. But then I'll usually give them some guidance as well as, how do you feel about doing demos? How do you look at a demonstration? We have some specific books. We have pre-sellers read. So I'll typically give them that advice and have them reading some of those books and getting ahead for if they make that transition into pre-sales, they've already done some of the onboarding that's there. And I'll share that onboarding checklist with them if they're an internal candidate. If you're an external candidate, I'll still have that conversation with you and still try to give you as much guidance as I can.
2: Spot on. I think the first thing you have to do is make it known. Some of the best advice I got from uh, you know one of the one of the executives at my old company was your manager's not a mind reader. It's important that you tell them what you want to do and where you want to go and start having those conversations so that you can identify the gaps if there are any. And then I would also say find people who have made that transition successfully and get in contact with them sooner rather than later. So you can start picking their brain and asking the questions of what do you wish you had done? What was your timeline? Like, who are some other people that I haven't reached out to that you think that I could reach out to?
1: Yeah. And to be fair, I actually was in the services role before I went into pre-sales many moons ago. Um, And actually, it was a pretty exciting transition for for me because I'd been using technology in a services role. I was an implementer of a certain technology. And then I went into being a pre-sales consultant for that company.
0: Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, let's see. LBK is asking why Octa what's different about working here than anywhere else
1: you've worked. That's a a good one. You can go ahead. Okay. So when I was looking, I've been at Octa now for about 18 months. Um, when I was looking for, for a job change, I was looking for a company that was really modern, really knew what they wanted to do but had room to grow and really where they wanted to be. And I actually interviewed with several companies but Octa really stood out my mind, one because of the honesty and transparency that they had from the get-go. Mm-hmm. It was so clear from the beginning they're like look this is where what we want you to do, this is where we want you to be, this is kind of the challenge ahead of you, are you willing to accept this challenge? You know I mean it sounds very you know different from my standpoint, because they asked me many times along the way, is there anything you don't understand? Is, are you, are you, do you really wanna accept this challenge? You know, we really are excited for you to be here. And the difference here, and, and it's really hard to put into words because I've worked at uh, several places, but here, everybody's happy to be here. Everybody sees how their job moves, in a lot of ways, moves the needle and helps Okta progress as an organization. Uh, For the most part, I feel very listened to, I feel very um, respected, and everybody's open to ideas and just conversational. Like I said, I've never been to a place where everybody was so happy to see me start. Everybody was so welcoming. I mean, it wasn't I was a little bit floored by it. I even was, I've told several people, I'm like, that was the biggest surprise to me and coming on board was that everybody was so happy for me to be here. They were very helpful, very welcoming. And I still feel that way today. And anybody who's new, who's come on board, I've tried to reciprocate that back and be as well welcoming and helpful to all those people.
2: Extremely well said. I still actually have them tabbed and starred in my Gmail non octa uh, email, of the, the welcome notes that I got, everybody was really excited to welcome me and now that sets the tone. I'm always excited to welcome other folks to the team. I think other reasons why Okta, it, it has just been such, such a joy to be in an organization that has been so understanding and empathetic during these, and I hate to say it, but during these unprecedented times. That just really speaks to our, one of our core values of empowering our people, making sure that we are listening to them. I genuinely feel heard. And if not, I know that there's a place for me to go to feel heard. Um, my mom gave me the best advice and she said, there's three things. There's who you're working with, what you're doing and who you're doing it with. And I just genuinely feel like those boxes are checked every single day here. I really like who I work for. I love who I work with. And I love what I'm doing at a place uh, that really cares about the work that I do. So everything that you said with all that, tactum. Yep. Excellent. Um,
0: well, I just want to thank both of you for taking the time out of your day to spend with us. Um, before we get rounded out here, because we only have two minutes left, it always goes so quickly. <laughs> um, I want to call out one more time that Okta is hiring. So I'm going to put that link um, that I posted earlier down in the chat again. That way, um, anybody that's joining us and maybe didn't join um, earlier, maybe wasn't didn't quite catch it. Um, check out the link that I'm putting in the chat right now. Um, you can make sure that you follow Okta on their company page on PowerFly. It's going to tell you when they post new roles. It's also a really great thing to do if you check out the um, the roles that they have listed right now, and you're not the, none of them are a really great fit for you. That is a really smart thing to do, so that way you get an alert when they post new roles and you don't have to keep circling back and hoping that you know, the job alert subscription that you set up will catch that Okta role. Um, so for both of you, I know we've already talked a little bit about your favorite part of working at Okta, um, but do you, either of you have any tips for someone who's interested in applying?
1: If you know anybody who works at Okta, we give employees a really good referral bonus and we hire a lot of people off referral. Um, if you don't know anybody, that's okay. We, I, you know, I get a lot of resumes and stuff uh, altogether, but reach out to people who work at Okta. People are very willing to bring people on who are, are great skilled people and are good people.
2: I'd agree with that. And then I'd also say, just because I don't have a BDR job posting right now, it doesn't mean that I might not shortly. And so even if there isn't an opening for a role that you feel super interested in, I would still reach out to the recruiting team, make your, make your name known.
1: Yep. No, that's a great point, Kristen.
2: And don't forget guys,
0: if you go and apply via, via Power to Fly, um, there are multiple people throughout the process on our side that follow up on those um, applications. People like the CSM, the sales team, or talent advocates um, that make sure that nobody gets, you know, falls through the cracks or gets kind of like stuck at a specific process. Um, So, just you know, make sure that you go out and check those out. Um, the other thing I'm gonna submit here in the chat one more time, a um, couple different links. The first one is gonna be where you can connect with the host and speakers, it's their LinkedIn profiles. So please feel free to check those out if you'd like. Um, and then I'm also throwing up one for our upcoming chats. Um, we've got more chats happening this week. Um, so please feel free to check those out. Um, there's a couple more that I'll be hosting as well as Nicole and Mariella. So, please check those out, and I hope to see many more of you around this time next week. Um, let's uh, hope everybody has a happy Monday and a great rest of your week. And thank you so much, Adrienne and Kristen, for spending time
2: with us today. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much. Wow. Please, please reach out and connect with us. Uh, the two of us are obviously, and our DIV team, we're really, really passionate about hiring more women. So, please reach out to us. Yep. Awesome. Thank you both.
1: Thank Have you. a lovely day.